Okay, everybody breathe. You good? Did we worship the jealousy right out of you? Because you're not out of town on vacation for Labor Day, Labor Day weekend? I'm glad you're here. Super glad you're here. Because God's got a word for us this morning. Now listen, I'm going to just, if I can, um, we've been in a series called Born Again. We wrapped that up last week. So we're in a, we're in a month where um, we're going to just do some like standalone stuff and like, hey God, what are you saying right now? And that's one thing we'll do this morning. I don't think it's gonna. Ha- I don't think it's gonna be like super, super long. I know it's scary when the pastor says that because that's usually when he preaches for an hour. Um, but I really feel like I just I want to share with you this morning something that was shared with me years ago. It was eleven words long, and it totally rocked my world and changed just my whole perspective on how I saw things. Okay. Um, but to get there, I need you to, to turn with me two places. Go to, go to Psalm. Psalm is in the middle. If you've got an actual Bible, it's in the middle of your Bible. So Psalm 91, you can just kind of turn there. Or if you're using a device, kind of find it and kind of bookmark it. Know that we'll go back there. We'll, we'll go there at some point. And we're, we're going to start in 1 Peter. So 1 Peter chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 11. Let me ask you this question. Anybody feel overwhelmed? Ever? Yeah. Um, anybody? I was reading an article this morning um, about, like, they had experts. Don't you love experts? And all the experts were weighing in on when, when life would be back to normal, whatever that means, right? And so there was one expert, and these are, like, legit experts, not, like, in a court of law where they hire somebody to say what they want them to say, but, like, these are legit it's a, it's a fancy word for people that know about diseases. It starts with an E and ends with a la la la. But um, anyway, those people. These are people that have like letters behind their names. They've studied. They're smart people. They're not your neighbor unless you live next to somebody who's an la la la. And here's what, here's what blew me away. Like one person said, it's over. Okay, I, I like that. I don't know if it is, but that's cool. And another person was like, maybe in 2023. So you're reading an article, and as you go through the article, there's this wide range of, it's, it's over, it's not over, it'll be over when this happens, or how about when this happens, or we don't even know when it'll be over because something else has to happen before it can be over. Anyway, you read it, and you get to the end, and you're just like, oh, God, you know, what, what in the world? And that's just talking about, like, pandemic and COVID and all that stuff. I mean, I know everybody's at different levels of over it. But, but let's talk about, like, job security, right? Let's talk about financial security. Just things in our lives, don't they just feel kind of like they got turned totally upside down? And am I the only one that walks around saying, God, like, they shook the snow globe. And I love snow, but when will it stop, right? Like, when will things settle back down? And and I just want to share with you, again, what was shared with me when I went through a season in my life that felt a lot like this. It just it wasn't on a global level. It was just a personal level for us. And we were, we were serving in a church, and we were youth pastoring. Um, man, if you're here for the first time and this is your first exposure to me, you're like, I can so see that you were a youth pastor, right? Like, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor, right? I try... I try not to talk about bodily functions nearly as much as I used to, but 
we're all people, right? Like we all just relate at a certain level. And so um, I was youth pastor, and we just loved the teenagers. The teenagers loved us. It was fantastic. But in the, in the church, it just didn't feel as good. Like there were relationships in the church that weren't clicking, and we were young and just trying to figure out, like, God, what is, are we supposed to be here? And if we are, why is it so hard? And anyway, I don't know if, if you can relate to that or not, but in the middle of that, um, well, in the middle of that, we, we lost our job. There's an answer from God. Um, in the middle of that, we, we felt like God was saying to move on. And some friends came to our house, and they just grieved with us, you know, the, the end. And, and if, you, if you're not in ministry, it's hard to really understand this, but sometimes you actually say things like, God said, but on the inside you're like, did he really? You know, like, or is this just kind of how it has to happen? Maybe you felt that way in your job or in relationships. Um, so some friends came over, and they just kind of grieved with us and lamented with us, and that's a great word. It's just when you just kind of say to God, I thought it was going to go that way, but it went that way, and now on the inside, I'm just like torn up. And in the middle of that conversation, the woman shared the words that I'm going to share with you in just a little bit that just totally changed my perspective. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Um, boy, I hope you get something out of this. I feel like you will. Um, I got to be honest. I wanted to teach from just a few of these verses, and I started reading. Just, you just read this at the night, too. And when you read it, I was like, yep, that's where God's had me for a while. And great. Thanks for the confirmation. Appreciate that. I just wanted to talk about the verses that affect you. Right? But then God told me to start at verse 1 because those verses affect me. <sighs> Why? Why does God do this? Right? Is it okay for me to say that we serve a father who lovingly kicks our butt from time to time? And so I just want you to know, if you get uncomfortable towards the end, I'm going to be uncomfortable on the front end. Is that all right with y'all? To the elders among you, that's me, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings <clears throat> who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you, it's a tough season to be a shepherd of the flock, right? And, and, and in all honesty, there are times that we're just like, not like we're done like at the gathering, but we're just like, God, like, can it go back to how it was? Like when we just expected everybody to show up, but it's not, we're not there anymore, right? So shepherding the flock is tougher, right? And I feel that. So he says, Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, if I'm being fully, of course I'm being fully honest. Don't you love when people go, to be, to be honest, were you lying before? Um Man, I could stop right there, and I could, like, put the mic down, and I could just kneel right here, and y'all could go home because I have to wrestle with that part, right? The elders at our church have to wrestle with that part. He's talking to the pastors, and I, I include that because I want you to see how he transitions from that very hard call, 
And it's not a hard call because y'all are hard or the people that are watching online are hard. It's not that. It's just a tough call, right, to, to shepherd over a flock that feels very, every pastor I talk to, they, it feels like the church in America just did that. Like, everybody loves Jesus still, you know, but it's like we're just not all in one place anymore. It's just tougher, right? But he says we should do that. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's good news, right? <laughs> Yay for that. Looking forward to that. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Did you feel a turn just then? Right? So he's like, hey, elders, watch over the flock, shepherd them well, because you have a chief shepherd. And he's a great shepherd, and he's watching you, me. I feel that, like the eyes watching, right? But then he says, those of you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. And I don't have time to talk about all that, but y'all, submission? Come on. Who likes that? And in this country where it's my right, what do you do, what do, you do with submission? I mean, we serve a king who laid his rights down. Y'all know that, right? Okay, just checking. Oh, don't you, don't, this is a hard passage. Huh. All of you, clothe yourselves. Now, the youth pastor in me wants to stop right there and just say, duh, right? <laughs> People ask us all the time, like, what, what should I wear to your church? Clothes. That's actually on our website. Wear something. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is, just wear something, please. All of you, clothe yourselves with what? Humility. And that's the theme of these 11 verses. So when he said to, when, when God's talking to me as an elder, hey, Paul, serve the flock. What does it take to serve? Humility, right? See, I don't get to go, no, y'all serve me. I'm going to get a book deal, and I'm going to cut a CD. Y'all know that's not going to happen because you just heard me singing. But, you know, whatever. Like, I'm going to have a platform, and I'm going to be famous, and our YouTube channel is going to have, like, a million views a week, and I'm going to be rolling in a dog. I'm going to pull up in a Rolls Royce. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, right? I don't get to do that. I'm not saying all that's bad necessarily because every one of us in here would probably choose that if we had the choice from God. Those aren't necessarily bad things, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be a faithful shepherd. And to do that, you have to humble yourself, right? And then he says, the younger people, humble yourselves in submission to your elders. We've all, we were all kids once, right? We hated that, right? Why? Because I said so. Oh, oh, I know you're my dad, but I'm punching you in the face inside right now. Right? Because you said so, what, what, what? Like, we, we hate that. But it all takes humility. So we've got to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another because, and this is why we, we need to have humility, God loves the proud. Is that what it says? He opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I need to make sure that you see this picture, okay? Opposes the proud, and every time I teach on this passage, I, I say the same thing. So if you've been here, you've heard this example, but if you're new here, I just need you to know this. It's a legal term, 
And what it means is when God opposes the proud, that word opposes means this, that if you walk around with pride, you're not willing to humble yourself, you're not willing to submit yourself, then you have just placed yourself in a court of law. You're sitting on, at the table where the defendant sits, right? So you're going to have a defense attorney, right? But you also have a prosecutor. And that word for oppose means that God becomes your prosecutor. That makes me want to humble myself, right? So he says, the reason that you should, Paul, the reason that you should shepherd with humility, church, the reason that you should serve with humility is because if you're not willing to be humble, that means that you're proud. And if you're proud, I just need you to remember, by the way, excuse me, don't forget, God opposes the proud. He sits on this side of the courtroom and he prosecutes the proud. That's a strong word. But he shows favor to the humble. So here's the verse that I really want us to talk about this morning. That I just wanted to read this one verse, but you got to have the, all that context. Humble yourselves, therefore. So when, they, when you see therefore, you're supposed to ask, what's it therefore, right? The reason that he's saying humble yourself is because of all that we just talked about. Because if you don't humble yourself, then he's going to prosecute the proud. So humble yourselves, therefore, where? Under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, if we just stop there for a second, let's talk about a couple of these Greek phrases. So lift you up sounds amazing, doesn't it? Wouldn't you love that? It, it literally means exalt. But it's the same word that Jesus used when he said the Son of Man must be lifted up. And how was he lifted up again? Remind me. The cross. We just celebrated that, right? So the lifting up is a good thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't keep us from suffering. Because Jesus was lifted up on the cross. That wasn't a cruise, by the way. That was a cross, right? So he was lifted up, nailed to the cross, thorns on his head, bleeding, you know, like stuck in the side, all the things. If we humble ourselves under God's hand, he will lift us up. And so I do want you to know that when he, when he exalts us, when he lifts us up, it's for his glory, right? It's, he lifts us up onto his platform. But again, it's not like, he just exalted me, give it up for me, right? It's, he's exalted me, and sometimes he exalts us through suffering, I heard a book this week, and it was an interview with, um, with a couple who just has an amazing worldwide ministry. It's all about pain because that's their whole story is pain. And she made this statement. It blew me away. She said, pain is a platform. She said, people want to hear people talk that have been through pain. They don't want to hear from experts talking about pain they want to hear from people who have been through pain. And she said, I've been through pain, and I still trust God, still love Jesus, and my pain is my platform. He will lift you up, sometimes through suffering. And when does he do that? In due time. 
Um, this is comparison. Like the Greek word for due time is kairos, but there's another word called, it's chronos. So you've heard of chronology, right? So chronos is like literally a measure of time. Like this sermon is taking a lot of chronos, right? That's what y'all are thinking right now. And how you're listening to the sermon, if you're engaged with it, that's more of a kairos. See what I'm saying? It's how you experience the time. We, we kairos chronos. Does that make sense? We experience periods of time. Like next week when the Panthers kick it off and destroy the New York Jets. Can I get an Amen. we got to work on some faith in this house, y'all. And I know. I'm a Panthers fan, so I know it takes a lot of faith to really get on, get on board with that statement, right? Because we're kind of like, eh, we hope so, right? But if they do destroy them, there'll be a three-hour window of Kronos time that I will really kairos. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will, I will be into it. I might be in my house ripping my shirt off, like painting it Panther blue. You don't want to be there for that. But, you know. The middle picture is enough, I'm sure. But what it specifically means, kairos, it's a fixed, definite, not period of time, but a time, a season. Now, check this out. The time when things are brought to crisis. The decisive, is it epoch or epic? E-P-O-C-H, Epoch, thank you so much. Whoever said that, you're smarter than I am, that we've waited for. When I read that definition, I thought about a movie. You ever been to a good movie where, like, there are so many twists and turns in the movie, in the plot line, and you're like, I know this has to work out somehow, but I don't know how they're going to work it out. And you look at the clock, you're like, there's 10 minutes left. What in the world? How are they going to bring this to a conclusion? But it's all the crises in the movie that brings you to that conclusion. And this phrase that's used here is saying, like, humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that he can lift you up at the very moment that things have been brought to a crisis when it is the most beneficial time for this thing to be brought to a close. Which means there has to be suffering involved, right? There's got to be some pain involved. And you wouldn't watch your story if there wasn't. What makes your life interesting and relevant to the people that are watching you is the actual pain and suffering. Because they're going like, let's see how Debbie works this out. Let's see what happens in her life. And they're watching to see. And God knows that. So he's like, humble yourself under my hand. I'm going to protect you, right? I'd love to be under God's hand. There's pain and there's suffering, but I want to do it under his hand. He's protecting us, and then when he's ready, when he knows it's the perfect time, perfect season in your life and for his kingdom, he's going to raise you up for his glory. Now, anybody here type A? Checklist people be proud, right? You like to have all the answers. Um, The idea of, hey, let's just jump in the car and drive. Gives you anxiety, right? Like I said it and you were like, no, 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 no. Where are we going? When will we get there? And I'm Googling to see how much toll money we need to have, right? Like you're, if you're those people, 
The idea of being under God's hand, even if it's God's hand, the idea of being under there and not knowing exactly when he's going to lift you up can cause a little bit of anxiety, can it? So what's the very next thing that he says in the word? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He sees you. He knows you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So you and I are not alone in this. We're part of something much bigger than we are. And the God of all grace. How much grace? Don't you love that? It's such a small word. But all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, we don't like this phrase, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. i just tell you this, that humility hurts and suffering happens. It's all the more reason to be hidden under his mighty hand. So, I'm sitting in my house with Wendy, um, and we're talking with this couple about all that's happened in our life. Um, I am actually in the process of writing a book, and the book is going to be titled, What the Helk? Because it's just a fun title. And it came from this, it came from this moment where my, you know, Wendy is precious, and she's the most like Jesus of anybody on the planet. Always has been, probably was born that way. And she, in this moment, we were so flabbergasted with what was happening in our lives that she just looked at our friends and she was like, what the hell? She just caught herself mid-cuss and tried to Christianize it, you know? And it's because we were in this place where we didn't know, we couldn't make any sense of what was going on. Of the people that we felt like were attacking us, that were coming after us, when, when we felt like we had, I'm not trying to just be the hero of the story, but we literally felt like we had done all the right things. And I know you've been there, right? We, you know I don't do all the right things, yes? And you don't either. But there are moments where situations where you do feel like you did all the right things and it still turns out bad. And we felt like we were in that place, right? And now we're out of a job and Wendy's almost cussing. You know, like it's just bad, right? And my friend looked at me, and here's what she said. God gave David a cave before he gave him a throne. Eleven words, and I was like writing this down. I think this might have been pre-phones, right? Just writing this down. God gave David a cave before he gave him a throne. David was on the run from Saul. And everywhere he turned, there were more people from Saul. They were attacking him, chasing him down trying to take over. You know, Saul had heard that song about David, like Saul has killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands, and Saul got a little bit jelly, right? He was a little mad about that. And he was like, well, um, I'm going to have him killed. I'm going to take him out. He knew that David was anointed. I'm going to take him out. He will not be better than me. And what did God give David in that season? He gave him a cave He literally did for David what we just read. He put him under his mighty hand. 
And, and here's some things I want you to know about the cave. One, I don't do caves. They're freaky, spooky, wet. I think there's boogeymen in there. I know there's spiders. Yuck, right? I want to I say I'm a man's man, but not if it has to have caves. So he, caves are dark. And I like, to, I like to know where I'm going. We were talking about this the other night. I've been on the water slide that's totally enclosed. Like you start at the top, and at some point you finish. And there's no light. It's hot. You just start thinking about all the germs in that thing, right? Like how many kids have been there? They're, well, anyway, all the germs in that thing. And, and then you finally come out. I don't like those either. You're enclosed. It's a dark place. So a cave isn't necessarily a, a peaceful place unless you trust the mighty hand that put you there. So if, if God puts you in a cave, that means he's also watching the entrance to the cave. He's protecting you, right? He knows there's an enemy still prowling around, but he's protecting you. He's got you right where he wants you so that you can be prepared for what comes next. He's protecting us. Let's close this out with Psalm 91. I just want you to hear this psalm. We, we usually listen to this psalm and we think of all the exceptions to it, right? And we have lived an exception to it, right? We, we, have, we have lived a moment where we could read this psalm and go, well, that can't be true. But that's because we're in a dark cave, right? And we need to trust the Father. We need to trust his goodness, anchor our souls in the goodness of God. And know that what we're reading in Psalm 91 is true because it's true about God and he hasn't changed. Listen to what the psalmist says, whoever. Raise your hand if you're a whoever. Okay, some of y'all didn't raise your hand because you're like, I'm scared of that trick question from the pastors. I'm hoping it's because you're scared of trick questions, not because you're not sure if you're actually a whoever. Because if you're breathing, you're a whoever. Okay? Now, you could be a whoever who's not following Jesus. And we're going to read a promise that says, whoever dwells, which literally means stays put in the shadow, in the shelter of the Most High. Whoever dwells there. That, we're talking about followers of Jesus, right? We're talking about believers. So you've got to be following him to, for this promise. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's literally, we could stop right there. Are you resting in his shadow? Or are you in his shadow trying to figure out all the things he's trying to do? Because he is still God and we're not. Um, we have a class war going on in our country, don't we? Like, this, it's not just the upper class and the lower class. It's the elite versus the non-elite. It's like everybody's fighting with everybody else. There's so many classes and divisions. In the kingdom, there are two classes, God and not God. That's it. Which class are we in? Well, okay, no. we're, in, we're in the not God class. That was that trick question from pastors that everybody hates. And now you're never going to answer another question ever again. I'm so sorry that I did that to you. We're in the not God because we're not God. You see what I'm saying? There's God and there's not God. And we're in the not God class. We'll never understand him fully, right? We're just, I mean, y'all. some of y'all are brilliant. We'll never fully understand God because we're not God. So... 
we have to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So if he moves his wing a little bit, what do we do? We move with him because we, wanna, we don't have to understand where he's going, but we know that we want to be with him wherever he goes. And we're going to rest in that. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find a refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love that you amen the rampart. I don't even know what it is. Come on, man, you get the mic. I love that. Armor and protection, right? Armor and protection. That's what rampart means. I don't know why they didn't just say that. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Can I just stop right here in that one verse, two verses, and can I ask you these questions? These are all going to be yes questions. There's no trick question. Is there terror of night? Are there arrows that fly by day? Is there pestilence that stalks in the darkness? Is there and has there been a plague that destroys at midday? We, we think that if we're Christians, we should act as if that doesn't happen. That's not the promise, y'all. The promise is that we will not fear it. Period. Period. This is not the time for the church to be afraid. Our witness for the last 18 months is fear to the world. We don't have to be afraid. No matter how we react... And all of us have different ways of responding. We never respond with fear. Because we don't have to fear those things. Even if they happen to us. And I know that I'm not supposed to say that, right? Out loud. But if I read this correctly, it didn't even say that it couldn't. It just said, I don't have to fear it. Under his mighty hand. I'm hidden there. I'm under his hand. I'm in the shadow of his wing. I am safe with him from whatever happens to me. So a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, I just want you to remember this, okay? Because our mind quickly goes from, well, wait, Paul, you just said that it it might happen to us, but that just says it won't happen to us because he's going to command his angels. And so there. Right? That's the exact verse that Satan tempted Jesus with. Did Jesus go to the cross? Yes. You're not exempt, y'all. We're, we don't get a get out, of, get out of suffering card when we become Christians. We get a get out of fear card when we become Christians. Because we are in the shadow of his wing. We are hidden with Christ. We don't have to fear these things. Last couple verses. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. Who needs to be rescued? 
Right. People, <laughs> this is such a pastor statement. Who needs to be rescued? People who need to be rescued. I mean, you rescue people who need to be rescued. Like if I'm living fat and happy on top of the hill, eating steaks from Outback every single night, somebody say amen, right? I don't need to be rescued. I need to be rescued because I'm in trouble, because I'm in a place where I don't need to be. He's rescuing us. I will protect him. We get protected because there are things that we need to be protected from. And why? Because he acknowledges my name. Let me just close it with this. Do you acknowledge the name of Jesus? And if you do, he promises these things. He promises that you don't have to fear these things. He promises that he can protect you and rescue you and get you from things. All the things that are going on. All the things that we have a myriad of, exam of, of responses to. He's still God. He's still God. And he said, if you'll humble yourself under my hand, then at the right time, at, at the perfect time in your life and for my glory, I will lift you up. It also means that at the perfect time, he might put you back down. Right? So my classic example from this passage, and then I'll, I'll pray and we'll be done. So I told you, when a pastor says it won't be long, you can't trust him, right? Because this has been like five hours. Not that long. Y'all know Beth Moore? I mean, not personally, but do you know who Beth Moore is if I say that name? She's a, a phenomenal Bible teacher. You know, we talk about her all the time. Whenever I read this passage, I think of Beth Moore. I should call that First Peter verse. I should call it the Beth Moore verse, right? Because I always think of Beth Moore. The, her story is that she led Bible studies for women in her home. And that's all she wanted to do. And then God had her hidden in that place, but then someday God was like, I can get, I can get more glory out of her life if I lift her up and put her on a bit, bit of a bigger platform. So he did, right? A pretty big platform. Like almost everybody who does Bible studies knows who Beth Moore is. And she's phenomenal. And she's just doing for maybe millions what she always did for 10. What she's doing hasn't changed. Who she's doing it for has. Does Beth Moore suffer? If you're on Twitter, you're like, uh-huh, right? She gets attacked all the time. And guess what? When God says, for my kingdom, I'll get more glory, it's time for this season to be over in Beth Moore's life. What will Beth Moore be doing? She'll be teaching women in her home or at her church, unless her pastor is an idiot, right? Like, she'll be leading studies for whoever shows up. And so she did it for 10. Now she's doing it for millions. And someday she might do it for 10 again. And maybe you don't like Beth Moore, so pick another person who's faithful in the little things, and God makes them faithful with more. And is willing to go back and be faithful with the little. See what I'm saying? The faithfulness is what matters. The trust, the no fear. That, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it for, however or however, how few you want me to do it for. I feel like that sentence came out as, <laughs> right? He's just after a heart that says, put me in a cave. And when you say it's time, I'll let you put me on a throne. And if you need to take me off the throne, put me somewhere else. 
Justin, we were talking the other night, and we were talking about how, like, our whole statement in Fusion, Fusion was a youth ministry because Justin was in, hey, Justin, he was, he's our youth pastor here. He was, I was his youth pastor, and now he's youth pastor here, which is awesome. But we used to always say in, in Fusion, like, God, we want to be currency in your hands. Spend us wherever you get the most return for your investment. And that's what this is all about, you know. Pandemic, no pandemic. Mass, no mass, shot, no shot. The Democrat, Republican, Panthers fan, or loser. <laughs> Whatever side of that division you're on, right? What guys after are people who say, God, I'll put myself in your hand, and I'll trust you. Hide me, raise me up, spin me, kill me. Whatever you need to do to receive the most glory, you can do that through me. Would you close your eyes, and, and I'm going to ask you just a simple question. Is that your heart? Is that your, when I talk like, God, spend me wherever you want, is that your heart? And if it is, I want you to know this, that you might go through a season where God graciously puts you in a cave. He's not putting you in a cave because he's embarrassed of you. He's not putting you in a cave because he doesn't want anybody to know that you're his child. He's put you in a cave because, one, he's protecting you from people that want to destroy you. And, two, he's preparing you, more than likely, to be put on a platform in front of those, those same people. And he's got to do some stuff in you to get you ready for that. And I just want to close this morning praying for you. So if you're here in the room and you're like, that's, that's what I want. I want God to spend me wherever he wants. I want him to prepare me for that. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. If you're at home watching this and that's you, I mean, you can just type, yes, that's me in the comments. And we're just going to pray right now. We're just going to pray right now. So if you've got your hand up, look, you're going to sit right where you are. Just put your other hand up. And I'm just going to pray that God fills you right now with his, his power. And his patience. God, I pray for my friends, Lord, whose hearts are like, yes, God, I want to be money in your hands. Just, I want you to spend me however and wherever you choose. But I also recognize, God, that I've got to humble myself under your hand. And so I pray for these whose hands are raised that you would bless them, God, with trust, an extra measure of trust and faith in you. God, with all that's going on in their lives, with all the things that are going on all around them, that they would find shelter in your shadow, in your presence, underneath your wing. I mean, there are arrows flying all around us. There is disease everywhere we turn. Every time we listen to anything on any kind of media outlet, it's all bad. And you said the promise was if we would hide ourselves in you, we don't have to fear that. And so I just pray freedom from fear over these hands that have been raised. Over people watching online that are resonating with this message, God, I just pray peace and a freedom from fear. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen.